0: Well, we're in the last few weeks of our series called Walking with Jesus. Uh, I didn't want to just stop this series right at Easter with the resurrection. Uh, That's the primary event of our Christian faith. But there were things that happened in the scripture after, which is why I called my sermon today after. What happened after the resurrection? Uh, The Bible records 10 different times when Jesus appeared after his death. And uh, those are the ones that are recorded in the gospel anyway there might be even more that we don't know about Um, Jesus was seen by a lot of people we're going to look at some of those appearances of Jesus after he was raised to see if we can learn a little bit more about him and about how to follow him and uh, we're going to let scripture do a lot of the talking for us today would you pray with me as we begin father god we worship you in our hearts In our songs that we sing and in our words that we share, we ask that you would help us as we worship you in the word today. Illuminate your words, reveal yourself in our hearts. Help us to follow you closely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you know the story about how Abraham Lincoln got his beard I've been listening to an audiobook of the Lincoln Conspiracy and it's an excellent biography of Lincoln's life before his uh, election in the early days of his presidency. Uh, It's uh, really focused primarily on the first attempted assassination that was foiled. But the story that made me laugh as I was listening was the story of how Lincoln got his beard. It it tells us a lot about Lincoln himself. Uh, He was uh, the president-elect but he he didn't really know much about what it was to be president. So he was very, very accessible. At first he didn't even have an office and people who wanted to see him just showed up at the house. Many people wrote to him and uh, he read every single letter, even though over the course of that time he got literally thousands. Uh, He read every letter because he couldn't tell which letters were the important ones. Sometimes ordinary citizens wrote to him. He received well wishes and people would send questions about his positions on various uh, political issues. And uh, he got a lot of hate mail, especially from the South. Uh, One letter really stood out in all of those letters that he read. It was a letter from an 11 year old girl named Grace Bedell. Uh, Grace's father was a Lincoln supporter and he had brought home a poster of Lincoln from a county fair. But when she saw the poster, she wasn't very impressed. Uh, Lincoln had a very homely face. Uh, Making fun of his appearance was kind of a national sport at the time. So in 1860, this 11-year-old girl, Grace, wrote to Lincoln, and here's what she said. I have yet got four brothers, and part of them will vote for you anyway. And if you let your whiskers grow, I will try and get the rest of them to vote for you you would look a great deal better for your face is so thin. All the ladies like whiskers and they would tease their husbands to vote for you and then you would be president. Well, Lincoln wrote back a little later in that same year, October 19th, 1860, and he had a few concerns about, about her advice. He wrote, as to the whiskers, having never worn any, do you not think people would call it a piece of silly affection? if I were to begin wearing them now?" Well, that seemed like the end of the conversation, but shortly after being elected president, he told his barber to let the whiskers grow. and The rest is history. You know, the beard and the stovepipe hat became his trademark. Well, when he was riding on the train on its way to his inauguration, they stopped in the town of Westfield, New York, and he recognized the name from the letter that he'd got. And so he sent someone out to see if the family could be found and to see if Grace could be brought to the station. And when she came, he introduced her to the crowds and he told everybody that this is the girl who was responsible for his new beard. The shy little girl brought the president a bouquet of roses, but she got so flustered and so embarrassed when he uh, had introduced her and he kissed her on the top of the head and and she got so flustered that she forgot to give him the flowers. Well, that was Lincoln. Nothing really to look at, but he was very accessible. He was the kind of man who cared about children and he cared about their opinion. Uh, I get the impression he was the kind of person you could just sit down and have a conversation with, a very easy conversation. Well, as I read the Bible, I I really think I'm seeing Jesus as being that kind of a person. He's the kind of person who takes time out for children. He's very accessible. He's really nothing to look at. Uh, The Messianic verse in Isaiah 53 in verse two says, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing is in his appearance that we should desire him. So Jesus must have looked pretty ordinary. I'm sure that uh, one of the gospel writers would have mentioned it if he looked otherwise. Um, He didn't seem to have a huge dynamic speaking voice. Uh, Trumpets didn't come out of his mouth and thunder didn't, didn't roar every time he went to speak to catch attention. Jesus looked and talked and acted, I think, very ordinary. That's one of the things that makes the accounts so extraordinary. John 20 tells us about Mary Magdalene's encounter with him on Easter Sunday, and here's what John wrote. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "Rabboni," which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had said these things to her. So at first, Mary encounters Jesus, and she thought he was the gardener. Uh, She wasn't expecting to see Jesus. She was not expecting to see him alive. As far as she was concerned, Jesus was dead. But then realizing that it was Jesus, Mary's concerns turned 180 degrees in the opposite direction. As she comes in, her focus is really on death. But as she encounters Jesus, it flips over and her focus is on life and on hope. She turned from depression to joy. Another of my favorite resurrection appearances that appears in the scriptures is the appearance on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. It's a testimony to the resurrection. Two disciples who were not part of the eleven were walking along the road to Emmaus, which is about seven miles away from Jerusalem. After everything that happened with Jesus' trial and crucifixion, you can imagine that that the events that had had been happening were probably all that anybody was talking about. And as they were walking, Jesus seemingly caught up with them and joined in. Uh, This wasn't all that unusual because people often traveled together for safety. He asked them, what are you talking about? Well, it's interesting their reaction when they When he asked them, it's kind of like they acted the way you sometimes get here in Waynesboro when you ask for some directions. You aren't from around here, are you? If you were, you'd know what's going on. And so they filled them in. They'd heard about the women going to the grave, the body missing, the angels saying Jesus was alive, but it's obvious that they don't understand, that they're confused, that they're disappointed, that Jesus didn't turn out to be their savior or their rescuer, that the Messiah they were waiting for wasn't the Messiah who showed up as far as they're concerned. And so Jesus helps them out. He he starts to unfold scripture and explain scripture to them. He starts with Moses and the prophets. He explains how his story is written through the Old Testament and uh, how the prophets prophesied about him and that the scriptures pointed the way to him and that the law was fulfilled by him. And the whole time he was doing this, he kept his identity secret. He didn't reveal who he was. He spent all his time talking with him, but they didn't see Jesus. They just saw a man. They saw a fellow traveler. Well, later in the day when it was time for Jesus to go his separate way, they'd arrived at their destination and so they invited him to come on in and, and have dinner with them. Here's what Luke says happened at the dinner in Luke 24 starting in verse 11. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? See, it was the breaking of bread that did it. Uh, It was so much like the last supper. In fact, the wording is even very similar in the scriptures. Uh, these two men they may not have been right there for the the meal but they know about the Last Supper they know about what took place and it's obvious that they're close to the 12 or at least the 11 after Judas was dead Um, they understood that this was Jesus sitting with them and then Jesus just vanishes in a supernatural way when these two men started their journey with Jesus they were confused and i think they were probably disappointed but now instead of confusion they had certainty they had clarity they knew for sure that the rumors were true that the stories about his resurrection were true because they'd seen him for themselves luke says that they ran off and they told the disciples well the the next appearance in luke starts where that one kind of ends The true men brought the good news that confirmed that Jesus was alive. And then, starting in Luke, uh, verse 36, or in, in this chapter, Luke 24 and verse 36, Luke writes, While they were still talking about this, Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And, and while they still did not believe it, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have something here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I'm going to send you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The gospel writer John adds the detail that the doors were closed and locked because they were afraid of the people who were looking for them. And so when Jesus appears to them, it's very obvious that this is a supernatural event. And at first these guys are frightened, I mean, imagine it, Jesus just appeared. They thought Jesus was a ghost. And that's why twice he says to them, peace be with you, shalom. Luke wants us to understand that this is a very real event. Jesus isn't some ghost or vision. That's why he had them touch him. And that's why he ate with them. He wanted to prove that he was 100% Jesus. These appearances are about a real resurrection and not some kind of holy hallucination. It's about as real as you can get. Well, this appearance is very important for the 11. They need to be more sure about the fact of Jesus' bodily resurrection than anybody else because Jesus has something very special in mind for them. They're going to become his preachers and his teachers, the evangelists for the next generations. They were gonna spread the gospel and they need to be absolutely sure that Jesus was alive. That's what all these appearances is about. It's all about showing that Jesus who was dead is not dead anymore. That this same Jesus is alive. He's been raised from the dead. It's interesting the same word that it, that was used with the two men on the road to Emmaus is also used with the disciples when, when they suddenly understood the scripture. It says um, that Jesus opened their eyes. He made the scriptures very clear supernaturally. Uh, think about Elisha's servant and that story where, uh, where the servant can't see the protection that God has provided. And then Elisha, through God opens the man's eyes so he can see supernaturally, he can see spiritually, and he can see the angels of the Lord that are all around them and protecting them. This is the kind of eye-opening that we're talking about, God opening their eyes to see something deeply spiritual. Well, right now, this time was the time that they needed to have this connection between the Messiah who was promised and the Savior who died and rose again and conquered death. Between what Jesus said and what happened, they make a connection. They'd abandoned him, thinking that he was lost, that he was dead, that that all that they'd done in the last few years was lost. But in reality, the battle was won. Now, there's one person missing from the story. Who's missing? Who haven't we talked about yet? Thomas, right? We haven't talked about good old Thomas. It says in John 20, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. are those who have not seen me and yet believed. I think Thomas often gets a bad rap. He's no worse, really, than the disciples who wouldn't believe even when they touched Jesus' wounds. But Jesus does the exact same thing for Thomas that he did for the other disciples. Uh, He even greets him with, peace be with you, the same words that he greeted them with. And it changes things. It especially changes Thomas. His encounter with Jesus doesn't leave him the same. In fact, Thomas moves from doubt to belief. He even goes farther than the other disciples did. He understands in an instant that Jesus is both Lord and God. And that's gonna be very, very important as they start sharing exactly who Jesus is. So these are just four of the 10 resurrection accounts that are in the gospels. Um, We know that Jesus appears to the other women on Easter Sunday. We know about Peter and James each separately. He appears to seven of the disciples during the fishing incident on the shore where he restores Peter. Uh, We know also it says that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. And in the end, he appears to the disciples when he gives them the great commission right before the ascension, and that's what we're actually going to look at next week. Every one of these appearances was a real, physical appearance. This is very important because the Apostle Paul says, if Christ is not raised, then our faith is in vain. Resurrection is the sequel to the story of crucifixion. They're a package deal, and without both, we are dead in our sins. No resurrection, no salvation. Some of the liberal churches will tell you that Jesus only appeared in spirit, that he didn't really raise bodily. Others will tell you that Jesus died, but Jesus did not raise, he was only a man. Well, lots of people believe that. But Jesus was more than a man. He was crucified, murdered for crimes he didn't commit. And on that cross, he was dealing with the problems of sin and death. And then he was resurrected from the dead just as one day each of us will be if we believe in Jesus and we follow him. With all of that, as the centurion who was at the side of the cross said, surely this was the Son of God. Well, think about what happened when these people encountered Jesus. Mary saw Jesus and her focus shifted from death and darkness to life from loss and grief to hope. The two disciples in the road to Emmaus went from confusion to clarity and certainty. The rumors were true. Jesus was raised. They knew the truth. The 11 disciples had all the evidence that they needed when Jesus talked with them and touched them and ate with them. And they went from doubt to belief. They went from being a bunch of frightened guys uh, to disciples who were really ready for the next step. And Thomas, he went from doubt to declaration. He had a moment of spiritual insight that, that really helped to change the world. He understood in an instant that Jesus is Lord and God. And he said that in a very personal way. He didn't just say, oh, you must be God, you must be the Lord. He says, my Lord and my God. So let me ask you something. Is Jesus your lord is jesus your god try that out say that out loud my lord my god jesus is my lord jesus is my god how are you today are you depressed are you running out of hope are you confused about what to believe about jesus do you struggle with doubt? Do you need help seeing through spiritual eyes? I encourage you to pray that God will reveal himself to you in a very real way, a way that will connect with you. And pray that God will reveal himself to you in a way that you can really understand it, that you can really Experience it. If you believe that Jesus will heal you and raise you up with him, he will. He will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I recognize that many struggle with faith, especially right now in this age. We ask you to open our spiritual eyes so that we can see that you're at work in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. Lord, help us to see the way that you see to care about what you care about. I pray for healing and lifting. Lord, lift up those who are struggling physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Reveal yourself in a powerful, refreshing way in these moments. I pray in the name of Jehovah Rapha, who is the great healer, Jesus, amen.